say a few words about the problem. The problem, and then let's discuss maybe a solution, as I see it. The problem is that most Christians do not know they have a Christian worldview. That's the problem. And most Christians are, have come to the conclusion that Christianity, Christianity now, is something that occurs on Sunday morning, probably between the hours of 12 and uh, 10 and 12. <laughs> and that's Christianity. And it's outside of that, then uh, it's not Christianity. And where I'm coming from is just the opposite spectrum. I'm saying that all of life, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and then all night long, is Christianity. That's where I'm coming from. And it's a, it's a total different mindset. But for me, Christianity is not on Sunday. It's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's Christianity. And if it isn't, it's a false Christianity. It's a totally false Christianity. It's not the Christianity of the Bible. From my understanding of the Bible, the Christianity of the Bible is... It is true in your whole area of life because basically Christianity accents two parts of you. It accents the fact that you are created in the image of God, therefore you are a created being. And if you're a Christian, of course, you're a redeemed individual, right? That's redemption. So you put those two together, and it's obvious that you are talking a total Christian worldview. Now, let me tell you the upside and the downside of that. If you, you know, you're in a liberal arts school. Now, since you're in a liberal arts school, you have the idea many times that some of the subjects you're taking are more spiritual than other subjects you're taking. Have you all heard that before? I've even had Christians tell me, I'm not going to take English. I don't need English. It's not spiritual. Uh, really, seriously. I mean, I've had this happen. They don't even want to take English. I said, well, what do you want to take? I want to take Bible. That's the, only, that's the only spiritual stuff. I mean, if you talk to them about Christian philosophy, you can quit right there. Quit right there. There is, It's an oxymoron. There is no Christian philosophy. Just by definition. Well, the truth is, my friends, all of your subjects in a liberal arts school even are sacred they're sacred I don't care if it's law economics politics history you know what I'm saying I'm going right through the line now I, I, I could take the chart out tonight um, do you think we should Mark? I don't know if we need the chart huh have you seen the chart Let's take it up. <laughs> and um, we, we'll just hold it up a second here, and I'll just show you what I'm, what I'm getting at. Because where, I can literally show you where our weak points are. Figure it out. And, um, and our weak points, unfortunately, are in the most important and strategic areas. That's the problem. That is the problem. Can you all see over here? Some of you already know this chart, right? <laughs> now look here. We have ten categories of interest over there. Philo a theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology, sociology, law, politics, economics, and history. I dare say 
that if you went into just a normal church today and gave everyone a sheet of paper and jotted those ten categories down and then said, check check after each one, sacred or secular. You know, that's all you have to do. Just check after each one, sacred or secular, sacred or secular. You would discover something very interesting. This is the mindset today. Most of them would agree that theology is sacred, right? Most of them would put that down. How about philosophy? What do you think you'd find there? Just the opposite, secular. How about ethics? That's interesting. Most of them would say that's sacred. Yeah, you can find a few that are free-spirited, bohemian, Christians we call them. Uh, see, otherwise it's legalism. Yes, yes, yes. If I can't go out with my girl and do what I want every night, that's legalism. It's by definition. Yeah, it's crazy. Biology, what do you think they'd say? Secular. Psychology. Secular. Sociology. Secular. You follow what I'm talking about? All the way down the line. Law, politics, economics, and history. And then we wonder why we're losing. Why we have no influence in society. And we have very little. Every day it's less. We are being slowly squeezed right out of the whole arena. We are being squeezed out of the public square. And you know, to some extent, we don't deserve to be there. Now, I hate to say that to you, but to a great extent, that's true. Now, I made a comment today that I'm going to be sorry for, I'm sure. And when I get home, I'll probably have it in a letter. But the truth is, my friends, we don't have enough Christians in the most strategic areas in our society to really make a difference for Christ. That's the problem. Even if AB, I didn't use this example today, but even if ABC gave us the whole television network, Christians probably couldn't run it. Right? We can barely get out of the shower in the morning. Run a television? Some of us can't even spell TV. And we're supposed to be the brightest, sharpest group in the history of the world. Have you all heard that nonsense before? Don't believe a word of it. Because it isn't true. Or as we used to say in Wisconsin, it ain't true. Now, I'm arguing that that needs to change, but I'm in the minority of the minority of the minority. I'm like old J. Vernon McGee, because he always says he's in the minority of the minorities. And that's about where I am on this subject. I have a hard time convincing Christians that these are sacred subjects. All of them are sacred. There's not a secular subject on that list. Now, I believe I have proven that they are all sacred in my book. I have a big, thick textbook. Have you all seen my textbook? It's 912 pages thick called Understanding the Times. Uh, basically, this is the outline of the book. Those of you that are interested and can read, you can take a look at the book. And there aren't a whole lot of cartoons, but there are a few in there for those of you that can't read. Okay, That's a joke, by the way. Don't take it seriously. Did I hurt their feelings, Mark? No. Okay. I, heard, I hear we're being recorded, though, and I might hurt someone else's feelings, right? <laughs> I do have a little sense of humor because I'm from Wisconsin originally. And let me tell you, if you're from Wisconsin, you better have a sense of humor. It's 57 below zero. And you better have a sense of humor or you are dead duck. But I'm telling you the truth, too. Come on, gang. I am really literally telling you the truth. If you can't figure out that those are the most strategic areas in a culture and in a civilization and in a society, and if we don't do something about it, and we lose them all and we just give them away, whose fault is it if we lose? That's my point. 
Whose fault is it if we lose? It has to be our fault. We have literally given them up. And over a period of time, you can nearly peg in history when we've said no to some of these things and just have given them up. And I'm trying to come from the other side of the coin now and trying to repair that somewhat. And just argue, hey kids, let's look at these things. If you look at these carefully, you will find, uh, and I, I'll get to you in a second, you will find that they belong in two categories in the scriptures. They become, they are part of, not that they become, they are part of, every one of those categories, the, rede the creative order of God. This is how God created each one of us. Okay, we'll come over here a little bit more. God created each one of us a theological being, a philosophical being, an ethical being, a biological being, a psychological being, a sociological being, a legal being, a political being, an economic being, and a historical being. You all live in history. You're historical. Did you realize that? You are going through time right now. Most of you are alive. Okay? You're going through time. You are a historical being. By the way, it isn't that you're just 10% in history. You're 100% in history. Because these don't add up 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. This is 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. And then you draw a line at the bottom and it's 100%. Okay? You are 100% in all these categories. You walk and talk and have your being in these categories. Acts 17, remember? You are an ontological creature. And God has created you in a certain way. And He expects you to function in at least these ten categories. He expects you to function in these ten categories. Because this is the way He created you. Now, if we had time, I could convince just about everyone in this room that that is true. It might take me a little bit. But let me tell you, the second backup to this is, not only is this part of the creative order, not only are these categories part of the creative order, they're part of the redemptive order as well. They're part of the redemptive order. That means the foundation stone of every one of these categories is Christ himself. Now that is the controversial part. Boy, I can lose my life on that one. I really can. I won't probably hear it, Masters, but boy, in some schools, I would be right out that door and right to the train station tonight, okay? Because that just can't be. That just can't be. You mean Jesus Christ has got involved in it? Oh, Jesus Christ and philosophy go together? Yes. He's the heart of philosophy. All wisdom and knowledge resides in Jesus Christ. What is philosophy? A lover of wisdom. How are you going to get rid of Christ? If you're a true philosopher, everything you believe in philosophy will be centered in Christ. It'll come out someplace. You'll meet him someplace along the line. And I'm, and I'm saying that's true with all of these things. Economics. Most of you think economics is what, a secular subject? Well, it just has to do with money. Not in the scriptures, it doesn't. By the way, what's wrong with money? That's sacred. Did you realize that? Now, it can be used for evil, and all these can be used for evil. But basically, you're responsible for your dole. You don't have much, but you're responsible for whatever you have, right? You have a lot of money? Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Most college kids are poor, like I did. I couldn't afford 19 cent hamburger, and I had to split that with my girlfriend. Good thing I did, I married her. Okay, so this is the heart of my message. Wherever I go, I carry the chart, and I have a lot of fun with it, okay? But really, this is the chart of my book. So I carry my book, but it's too heavy to carry up here. So it's, the chart's a lot easier to carry around. But what I have done is, gang, here's what I've done. I have analyzed our 
our university college situation today and have come to basically this conclusion. There are four worldviews vying for the hearts and minds of most of our students today. That, that is generally true. There are exceptions. Depends on where you are. If you're in New York City, there's a little different there. You know, there are a little few other things out there. Like black Muslims are pretty strong out there. You better know what, something about Islam if you're going to be there. But basically, in our country today, and in really Western civilization, these are the four major models of thought vying for your hearts and minds. Now, in our public education, this is the superior mode of thinking. This is, their, this is the model of public education. It's called, where am I? Secular humanism. The secular humanist model of thought, or the secular humanist worldview, is the in worldview today. I argue it's the only worldview allowed. I argue it's the only religious worldview allowed. But uh, some people might protest that. They say, well, I, we, we heard about God once. Uh, and then for these people here to show that they're somewhat pluralistic and diverse, they will bring in a Marxist once in a while. That shows diversity. Or they'll come over here and get a New Ager with his pyramid on top of his head or some crystal hanging out of his nose. And that's supposed to show that they're really diverse. Okay? And this shows that we have a pluralistic education. The only group they won't allow in is this group over here because this group here... They're just a bunch of radical right, fundamentalist nuts, by definition. See, they don't want to hear anything we have to say because we, we, we just aren't in, in, the, um, in the race. So basically, what I am seeking to do is I've analyzed this model in ten categories. These are the most strategic categories. We lose 90% plus of our kids in our colleges and universities in these areas right here. That's really what it boils down to. We'll lose them in these categories. So I've analyzed this model of thought, this model of thought, and this model of thought, which are basically the three major humanist models of thought today. And each one of these represents a chapter in my book. And then I conclude each section with an analysis of the true Christian worldview position. And I have a whole chapter for each one of the Christian points of view. And what I'm saying is, friends, it is so obvious when you're done. The Christian point of view is so superior to the others, it's not even in the ballpark. It's not even in the ballpark. Theologically, the Christian position is superior. Philosophically, the Christian position is superior. Ethically, there, it's not even a race. I, I just mentioned tonight to your philosophy professor here. By the way, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. That was really interesting. We had a good conversation. And uh, his, major pro, his major teacher at USC was my classmate at Wisconsin. So it turned out to be we, we had something in common right there. But um, um, what was I going to... I was going to mention something that I discussed with him. Isn't that the nuts? I shouldn't have gone on the, on, the, on, the, on the rabbit trail there. I forgot what the key point was. Where were we here? Uh, if it hits, it uh, hits. Huh? Yeah, he's the, your philosophy teacher here. Brian. Brian Morley. Yeah, I was just going to mention something that I, I mentioned to him. Ah, there's a footnote. Um, oh, it's about being superior. Yeah, the Christian position is superior in all of these areas. This is the amazing... Oh, I said to Brian, I said, I, I've even come to the conclusion that I can prove to you empirically 
that the Christian ethic is superior to all the rest. He said, well, how would you do that? I said, I would get 100 people to live the secular humanist lifestyle. I'd get 100 people to live the Marxist lifestyle. I'd get 100 people to live under pyramids. And I'd get 100 people to live the Christian ethic. And then I'd check, out, I'd check them in 25 years and see where they were. You know what I'm saying? These guys would still be alive. They might be on motorcycles, but they'd still be alive. <laughs> These guys are all dead. You can't live this lifestyle and live. You can't live this lifestyle and live. And you certainly can't live this lifestyle and live. You live their ethics, friends. You're D-E-A-D. Or D-O-A. Or whatever. So that's an empirical... Uh, there's only one presupposition on that. I.e., if you live 25 years, that's a good thing. <laughs> My attitude is if you live and you're dead in two months, it doesn't make any difference. You're living the wrong lifestyle. That should be a given, right? It's not anymore. Not anymore. Especially with the rock culture. Rock culture doesn't believe that at all. Live it all. We're only going through once in life. And let's zap it. <laughs> yeah. And then they're dead in two months. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, isn't that wonderful? What a lifestyle he lived. I, I mean, seriously. Jerry Garcia dies, right? He, they, want, they want you to believe that he's your hero. They want all out to prove that Jerry Garcia was your hero. Jerry Garcia? Friends, he was a druggie. Yeah, he was a deadhead. And now he's graveyard dead. And his lifestyle put him in his grave. He's not a hero. He's not a hero. Unless you've got a real warped sense of heroism. That, to me, is not a hero. That's someone that's leading you directly. That's a Pied Piper Hamlin putting you in the grave. You listen to him, you're dead. It's not a goodie. It's an evil. Um, okay, so that was what I was talking about. Uh, special creationism. Come on, friends. Come on. I can even quote to you chapter and verse from some of the humanists that are now admitting that stasis appears to be a reality in most of our studies. Hmm? Not evolution. Stasis. Stasis is the opposite of evolution. You understand what I'm talking about? Stasis of species? Permanency of species? Yes. Psychology, I have no doubt proving that Christian psychology is far superior to any and all other brands of psychology. The same with sociology. The Christian, the biblical concept of the home is far superior to all the rest of the nonsense that they're talking about today. They want you to believe that there are other ways to make it work. A family right today is refined and defined as two males under the same roof. That's supposed to be a family. That's not a family. It's a fraternity of homosexuals. That's what it is. Come on. We can't even be honest with our terms and our words. You can't even use definitions anymore. they got this whole deconstruction mentality where words mean nothing. My, you know the answer to that, I hope. If, we, if words mean nothing, then figures mean zero, too. And therefore, don't give them a paycheck. Yes, don't give them a paycheck. <laughs> just put zero, 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 zero down. And then when they come and complain, say, hey, you just said... Words are zero, and, and, and numbers mean nothing either. If numbers mean nothing, here's your paycheck. Zero, 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 zero. Live on it. See what happens. Don't come to reality in a hurry. Use it. By the way, it's a, keep, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Next time they start talking about deconstructionism to you, just raise your little pat, you know. Hey, Professor, you, are numbers worthless too? Oh, of course, numbers. Hey, man just makes up any number he wants. Oh, is that interesting? Okay, I'm talking to your boss and put zeros on your paycheck. Huh? And it gets their attention. It's really amazing what it'll do. So instead of instead of making $150, you know, whatever it is, they're going to make zero. They'll wake up to cold reality. They'll be they'll not only be in a sweat, they'll be taking a cold shower. That's where you want them anyway. Keep them in the shower. That's my attitude. 
Uh, where were we? Home? Yeah. Uh, come on, friends. As Christians, if you can't defend the biblically ordained family, you've got a problem. You literally have a problem. Male and female, is that a problem? You see? Boy, it must be some places. I don't know what's going on, but we're having trouble with it, I guess. I mean, God has a plan, and God has, I believe, the proper plan in all these areas. Uh, biblical law. Biblical law is so far superior to all this positive law nonsense, it's not even funny. It's the positive law crowd, it's the evolutionary. And then, uh, I, by the way, I'm going to show you the consequences. When you go contrary to this, and you embrace this side over here, you have ended up literally proving to yourself in the 20th century that you know nothing. Because in the 20th century, we've slaughtered 176 million human beings. We have slaughtered more in this century, my friends, than all the other centuries put together. Do you realize that? That's including all of the vicious wars of the past where eh, oh, there were 10, 15, 25,000 people laying on the battlefield. Hey, that's peanuts today. Now there are millions of them out there dead. And death by government is the name of the book, if you're interested in the whole thing. Death by government by Rummel shows that 176 to 326 million people have died at the hands of their own government this century alone. Well, how do they die? They died because of these ideas over here. These are the ideas that these governments put into practice to kill the people, to kill them. And most of it was done with three isms, fascism, Nazism, and communism. Those are the three isms of this century, of the 20th century, that have destroyed millions and millions and millions of lives. So many that most of us can't comprehend it. Because most of us only comprehend one death at a time. Oh, it's terrible. Did you that? They killed that guy. <laughs> but you see, if you went on kill a thousand, then oh, what's a thousand? Can't figure a thousand out. How about a million? Can't figure a million out either. How about 176 million? It's just a number. It's just a number. You can't even comprehend it. Um, justice, freedom, and order in politics, friends, is so superior to all the other nonsense that has come on the scene in this century. It's not even close, and I would argue in favor of that. Economics, stewardship of property. Why would we apologize for stewardship of property? Huh? I know it's called capitalism. Ooh, what a dirty word that is. Huh? Most of you would love to have a little capital in your back pocket. You're just not honest about it, okay? Not honest about it. There is nothing wrong with money. What, the Bible doesn't even say there's anything wrong with money. What does the Bible say? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. But stewardship of money and stewardship of property, there's no evil there. And then, of course, from my point of view, the biblical position on the resurrection of Christ as a historical fact to me uh, is, is the key to history. Is the key to history. And of course, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then what are we doing? We're wasting a whole lot of time right here, I'll tell you that. According to Paul himself, we should be out doing what? What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? There is no resurrection. We should be eating, drinking, and making whoopee. Simple as that. That's what you should do. And then you get your diseases and you die. And that's good because you're a meal for the worms. Isn't that a nice philosophy of life? Okay? So you're just meal meal product hmm? you tell me which one is the best worldview and I tell you friends that it's not even close so we don't have to apologize for our own Christian position it's just that we don't know it that's the same thing we don't know our own Christian position and we get bowled over from this side we get bowled over from that side before long we just give up so I try to encourage Christians to not give up 
I try to encourage Christians to have the the fortitude of this guy right here in Acts 17. One of my heroes is right here. His name is Paul. Paul. He had guts. That's why I like Paul. Okay? And I'll tell you why I know that. It says right here, Paul went into the synagogue in Athens. Well, let me tell you, Athens was Harvard University with a capital A. Okay? It was the intellectual capital of the world. Paul went right into that city. He went right into that synagogue and he disputed with the Jews and the devout persons. And then the next verse says, and he left the synagogue and he went out into the world and he confronted these guys head on. Was he shaking all over the place? Oh, boy, oh, they got all the good arguments. Oh, what am I? I'm just a Christian, you know. I just believe John 316. Oh, I'm terrible, terrible, terrible. I just believe this and I believe that and believe this and believe that. And no, oh, that's where we are. You'd be surprised. We're, we're, that's exactly where we are to a great extent. Not Paul. It's not where he was. He went out and he confronted the two basic worldviews of his times, the Stoics and the Epicureans. But guess what? Today, if he were here, the same two groups are here. They just run our school systems. Yeah, the same two groups are here. The Epicureans today would be called secular humanists and Marxist humanists. And the Stokes today would be called the pantheists of our time or the New Age crowd or the cosmic humanists. The same group. Same group that's on the chart. Things haven't changed. If I took... Uh, how many were in the history class when we did the French Revolution and the French Enlightenment? Same thing there, right? It's just like repeat of history. All you do is change a few names. Instead of uh, Voltaire today, it's... Sagan. Instead of uh, Robespierre today, it's Gorbachev. And I mean, it's just the one after the other. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a few name changes by the uh, These bodies are walking through the earth. <laughs> we look at them and say, oh, I wonder what they're up to. We don't know what they're up to. We don't know what we're up to. Now, I'm, I'm pulling your leg a little bit. But you, I, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. And then... Paul took these guys and he took them through very carefully three major points. And he emphasized with them three major points. He emphasized with them the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting in itself because neither one, neither group believes in the resurrection. Okay? The atheists believe you're a mealworm. And the pantheists believe you're on a karma wheel and you're constantly going around looking for your karma, right? Called reincarnation. Yes, reincarnation. So obviously, there is no resurrection in either in either worldview. And Paul lays it right out in front of him and talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, he talks to him about the creation of heaven and earth. The creation of heaven and earth. Doesn't bat an eye. Doesn't look at him and say, oh, I know, boy, oh, boy, this whole thing. Look how this thing just evolved. Yeah, yeah we're just all here by chance and accident. You know, we're just a... Oh, we're just a blob of protoplasm floating through his own life. I don't know why we're here, and I don't know where we're going. No, no, no. That's not what he did at all. And then he hit him with real truth <laughs> at the very end, too. He told him about the judgment to come. And that scared him to death. You know, hell is a frightening place. You can nearly feel it. You know? And boy, when he started talking about the judgment to come, it got their attention, and they dismissed the whole rally in a hurry. And they said, we're going to go home and think about this guy. But then we're told some believed. I think we need to go back to Acts 17 and do our work there and just figure out what Paul was up to, 
and maybe we need to start from scratch again and do the same thing. Now, gang, the reason it's not being done, let's be honest, the reason it's not being done is it takes blood, sweat, tears, time, energy, mental capacity, and guts. And what do you think we're short on today? Blood, sweat, tears, time, energy, mental capacity, and guts. <laughs> we're short on all the things we need. Yes, we're gutless. We're tolerant of everyone. doesn't make any difference what happens. We're tolerant of the whole thing. No guts. You actually know something is absolutely wrong that's going to lead to death. Well, we're tolerant of it. This is Josh McDowell's gripe right now. Josh McDowell has a tremendous uh, paper right now on, on tolerance. And let me tell you something else, gang, that you need to keep in mind. The opposition talks about tolerance all the time and telling you you're intolerant. The truth is they're the most intolerant of all. They're the most intolerant of all. And yet they make you feel like you're the intolerant and they're the tolerant one. When they are the epitome of intolerance. That's the sad part of this whole thing. And then they talk about love. You know how they spell love? L-U-V. Not L-O-V-E. Because there is biblical love involved in this thing. And sometimes biblical love is telling the truth. <laughs> and it's, a, it's one thing after the other. And I don't want to... I don't want to just sound like I'm um, pessimistic and I don't want to sound negative, but I want to sound truthful because the challenge at your age is obvious. The challenge for you is to know your Christian position and spend some time in all those areas until you know at least some of those areas pretty well. And then what God does is rather interesting. He will show you your strong suit. See, we all have talents. You might have ten, you might have five. Tiger one here, he's the sharpie, he might have one. Mark might not have more than a half. All of them. <laughs> That's my weak point. In one sense, it's my weak point. Because I have to stay up on all of them, and it's very difficult. In fact, a guy told me once, he says, you know, there are, in, 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 I think this was in biology, he says, in biology alone there are 150 publications that come out every month on biology. He says, it's hard for me to keep up. <laughs> That's just one subject, okay? And... Uh, so to be the, the, the jack of all trades, it takes, it takes a little bit. And I'm not up on all of those, I can tell you that right now. But some of you will be. And then as you grab a hold of that and say, boy, I think the Lord wants me to be right here. That's the key. For example, girls. Girls, let me tell you something right now. What's wrong with being a lawyer? Have you ever figured that out? A lawyer? And then we will put you in the Supreme Court? What's wrong with that? A Christian young lady lawyer that we put on the Supreme Court. Have you ever thought of it? Hey, man, that sounds pretty good. Well, I like to sit on the court. Well, that's great. Let's start. How do you get there? <laughs> Blood, sweat, tears. <laughs> right? And work. Boy, oh boy. But that's the challenge that we need to put in front of our Christian kids right now. We, give, we, we consider them to be down here all the time. I'm trying to say, hey, lift up here. Let's look up here. Maybe God is calling you to be right, right here. Now that doesn't mean, oh, I can't be, I can't get married, and I can't have. A... No, of course not. Of course not. Doesn't mean that at all. But there's nothing wrong with that kind of a challenge, is there? Some of you girls might be politicians. Scare the liver out of your husband. It's all right. It's all right. You might be a good politician. Maybe you might be a Maggie Thatcher. Have you ever thought of that? 
And don't think she wasn't influenced for good. She was a Christian, by the way. She was a Christian. And when someone asked her one time, we can't have Christianity taught in our public schools, Maggie looked at her and said, why not? was never answered either. <laughs> she just looked at her and said, why not? Ooh, what do you say to Maggie Thatcher when she says, why not? You know, Why can't we have Christianity? You're teaching everything else in public schools. Oh, well, I never thought of that. <laughs> Maybe we can. Maggie says so. Maybe we should. <laughs> you see what that... It's amazing what one Christian at the right place at the right time can do. But let me tell you, if you're not prepared, it's not going to happen. And that was our discussion today. We made it, made it clear that right now we don't have enough Christians to make the thing work. Much less around the television station, you're going to run the whole culture and have an influence for good in the whole culture. You're not going to do it. Not going to do it. And I'm sorry. I mean, I wish I could tell you some better news, but it's not going to happen. So I'm just challenging kids. I'm just challenging kids and I'm telling them, hey, these are ten of the most crucial areas right now. And there is a Christian perspective in every one of those areas. We need to know what that is. And we need to master it and go on and get your degrees. And then do something about it. Make a difference in these areas. Does that sound so radical, by the way? Does that sound too radical? You're saying, man, no way. No way. That isn't. That can't be. If you're not a preacher or a missionary to Timbuktu, you are out of God's will. Have you all heard that stuff before? That's the attitude. That's the attitude. Did you realize that it could be God's will for you to head a biology department at Rice University? Hmm? That could be God's will. And you know what? You might be more influential there, and you might lead, uh, and you might lead more kids to Christ, and you might have a greater influence doing what God wants you to do than being a pastor of a church where you screw the whole thing up and go out in disgrace like people are doing every single day. Because God never called them there, but they thought, oh my word, i got to be one. i got to be one because if I'm not one, I'm a second-class citizen. No, 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 no. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I believe if this is part of the creative and the redemptive order, all these subjects are sacred, and God calls his people into all these subjects. And you're not to look at one and say, boy, boy, I just, I'm not, this is not the best for me. Could very well be the best for you. Some of you have a philosophical mind. Some of you have a scientific mind. Some of you have a political mind. Some of you have an economic mind. I mean, you see, that's just the gifts that God gives us. You might have ten more brains than he does. You might have ten more brains than he does. You might have ten more brains than he does. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. God uses us all. God uses us all. But if we're going to make a difference, friends, boy, oh boy, this, this, is, this is serious stuff then. This is really serious stuff. Okay, well, I've gone on more than... Where did I go on? I went on a half hour. That's enough. Yes? Are those ten areas, are those more like ideological areas or are they like occupational? Like, say like the area of the arts. How would that be? Would it be like if you were more artistic would you say you'd plug those areas into what you do in the arts or would that be so? Now let me tell you something. That's a good, good question. If you are more artistic, I'll tell you what I, exactly what I want you to do major in one of these as well if you're a mathematician don't leave me friends because the battle the battle is in basically these 10 areas right now so i need if you are mathematically inclined there's no reason why you don't double major and get me at least give me some of your brains in one of these 10 categories and then major in math 
double major in biology. You with me? Biology and science go together. Art, music, engineering. You tell me, I'm going to major in engineering. Oh, but, but don't leave me. You've got a good brain. Good, good brain. Good engineering brain. Then major in biology, too. Major in sociology. Major in one of these ten categories. Because the battle for the hearts and minds of our kids today is right here. We are not losing our students in engineering today. We are not losing our students in mathematics today. We are not losing the vast majority of our students in the arts even today. Not even the arts. A lot of strange people in the arts, however. That's, you've got to be careful there. But uh, this, these are, this is the waterfront. And so what I tell ki Christian kids is, look, if you're bright enough to be a mathematician, you're bright enough to take one of these subjects along with it. And so be an expert. And by the way, if you're going to be a teacher someday, it's wonderful to have both anyway. You see? You're a mathematician, but you also can teach biology because you have a dual, you have a dual major. That works very, very well. That's, that's where I would come from. Uh, the arts are great. Some of you are very artistic, I know. Some of you are great musicians, I know. But don't leave these other areas unattended right now. Because, you know, it was Martin Luther who said this, and I think it's absolutely true. Martin Luther said, I don't care how you name the name of Christ. You might tell me that you believe in the virgin birth of Christ. You might believe in the resurrection of Christ. You are the Christian of Christians, he says. But if you are not on the battle line where the battle rages the strongest, you have betrayed Jesus Christ. How's that for a winner? You have betrayed Jesus Christ. And to me, the battle lines are so obvious right now, and we are losing in, at every twist and turn in the battle. We are losing. Now, we are losing by default to a great extent. It isn't that the Christians aren't the smart. It can't be that some of the smartest kids around. But we're just losing. And let me give you an example. I stole you the question. But let me give you the example. I just have to ask you something, and you're going to know where I'm coming from. Where is the typical Jewish boy and girl uh, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Friday? Where's the typical Jewish kid? He's in the synagogue learning Hebrew and memorizing Psalms and Proverbs in the original language. Where's the typical Christian kid at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Watching cartoons. Now, here is, here is a kid uh, uh, here is a kid who is expanding his mind and is absorbing uh, Hebrew in, <laughs> and memorizing in the original language. Okay? And here is the typical Christian kid uh, watching I Love Lucy, have gun, will smoke it, and inhale. Now, you tell me, ultimately, in 10 years, where are those kids going to be? In 10 years only. In 10 years, you, I can tell you. Where's the Christian kid going to be? He's going to be sweeping streets. In fact, he's going to be sweeping the cigar butts from the, from the Jewish guy who's now the head of the law firm. That's what's going to happen. How many Jews in this country? What's the percentage of Jews in America? Let me just show you something. By the way, they were my favorite people, so I'm not talking negatively here. How many Jews in this country, percentage-wise? 3%. 3%. And most of them in New York and Miami. 3%. How many, how many of the professions are made up of Jewish people? 70. 70%. In some law offices, they're all Jewish. And now you're saying, those lucky stiffs, I wonder how they got there. You know, you're down here sweeping the gutter, you know. Oh, those lucky guys up there. I don't know. How did he get there? You see? I can tell you how you got there. You were watching cartoons. And your only PhD is in Love Lucy. Okay? That's how you got there. And they got there, blood, sweat, tears. You see what I'm saying? Doesn't that tell you right, right away where we are? Hmm? 
There are millions of Christian kids in this country, I'm sure. There are millions of them. And most of them are throwing their lives away. That's the scary part. They're throwing their lives away. They are not going to their full potential, which to me is throwing their life away. Now, they might end up, you know, a secretary uh, at Pepsi-Cola. But, friends, why be a secretary at Pepsi-Cola if you can be the president of Pepsi-Cola and have the greatest influence in the world? How many secretaries of Pepsi-Cola get invited to speak at the high school? <laughs> Zippo. Zero. Nada. In German, it's Nino. How many presidents of Pepsi-Cola speak in the high school? All of them. And you want to be an influence? That's where you want to go. Does it take a brain to figure this out? I, I, my argument is, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You just have to sit back someday, turn the TV off, and think it through. And it should come. It should come. And if it doesn't come to the summit for two weeks, we talk about these things all the time at the summit. And we try to tell you, hey, kids, come on. You want to be the best. Okay? You want to be the best. Does that make sense? Okay, what was your question, Tiger? I just wanted to know, I, I'm sure you travel around and present your arguments before people around for higher education. What do you mean for support of the students who have gone through the and then go on to what I would feel the most influential about now being a public school or university? When they're talking to the professors, um, how do you support them in that capacity after they've done all these things and they are there? Though? Okay, what we try to do, and that's a good question, and here's what we try to do. We're not always successful, but we try it. Junior comes up, goes through our program, and let's say he's a junior. He's got one more year to go. Okay, if we can find out what his major is early, by the way, this is the best. By, and you, most of you know that already, right? If you wait till your junior year to figure out your major, <laughs> then you switch three or four times, <laughs> and then this and this and that, and pretty soon you drop out because your folks get sick of paying your way. You know, a four-year program takes 12 years to get through. That's not a good deal. But if you can figure out early what you want to do, let's say you want to do law. Okay, what we try to help you do is figure out where to go to school for pre-law and then where is the best law school in the world to make the most of your talents? Well, we have already figured this out. We already know where to go for pre-law and where to go to law. See how that works? So we try to help these... And most of our kids that come to us are from the public schools. Supplement, I'm sorry, yeah. In the public school, when yeah. you're talking about the professors, I, I'm coming, not that I'm the greatest, but from experience, because I argue with my professors all the time in public school. I, I went to public school. High school? No, no, college. Where would you go to college? Uh, Colorado State University, CU, and then... Fort Collins. Yeah. Ooh, the Ram Territory, huh? Yeah. They were pretty good in football this year, by the way. Yeah. Um, the point <laughs> we're just is, talking, I mean, don't worry about this. When you're in class, my, I didn't get... I didn't have... I mean, I argued probably with all my professors because I was... One, I was elected to some board by my friends. We had to take an ethnic diversity class, and it was like some lesbian topic. So we were full-blown all the time. And then... Um, in my composition class, I was taught by a Hispanic guy. He was like, he thought God's gift to the world was uh, equal opportunity and uh, all the benefits they can get. And so <laughs> we were like... A real winner, right? We were like... Uh, how long were you there? Two years, two and a half years, actually. You had enough, huh? 
No, I really didn't. I wasn't. I didn't want to escape from it. It oh. was fine for me. I wanted okay. to come to California, and this school was just it impressed me a lot. So I ended up going here. Point being, though, I'm sorry, not about me. Those students are on the front lines because I think that's the most important place in the classroom. No doubt about because it. Because that's where they're just totally indoctrinating. You got the Marxism, Marxism, Kinsian. You got everything right there, and nobody, to be honest, everyone is so stupid. They're just accepting right there. And those are those students. Whoever wants to be on that front line, I say, give them the money, give them the education, give them free grants. To, if you've got these seminars to help them fight this stuff in there, because they don't even know. I, they just get slaughtered left and right. They just annihilate. It is amazing. It is literally amazing what we're, what we do and how we lose them. And let me tell you, there are statistics on how many we lose. Uh, and this is from a report out of UCLA. Out of every 100 Christian kids that enter into our institution of higher education today, as evangelicals, freshman evangelicals, how many turn out that way in their senior year? You know what those figures are right now? We lose. We lose 50% of them. Fifty percent. Now, figure about what. How would a general feel when he comes back and says, "How many did you lose? We lost fifty percent. Fifty percent. You mean we had a battle? We lost fifty percent. I mean, you get excited about that, right? Fifty percent. Well, that's what we're doing. We're losing every year. I mean, oh, for, over a four-year period of time, we're losing fifty percent of our Christian kids at these schools, and we're losing them to these uh, to this opposition. This is the opposition we're losing them to, and these people here are are something else to behold. I mean, you look at these people, you wonder how anyone can buy into that stuff. <laughs> Our Christian kids do. Why? They have no foundation. They have no base. They don't know what they believe. They don't know what the opposition believes. And all of a sudden, they just get sucked into it and they walk, oh, they're down the toilet before, they, before the thing is flushed, they're down the toilet. What is the best way to help them? Well, our argument is uh, that they need to have, they desperately need in their churches, and in their, in their, and hopefully in their homes, and in their, in, if they're not in, in, in their high school, if they are in a Christian high school and so forth, they need to know that chart, and they need to know that chart like the back of their hand, so that they are not fooled when they go off. That's what it is. I mean, they, they just need to be grounded. Um, and we, this is what we've come up with, by the way. This is over many years. This isn't just, this just didn't fall out of the sky. Uh, this is over many years of witnessing. I, I mean, you're looking at one who nearly lost it all. I nearly lost everything at the University of Wisconsin. I can take you to the spot where I nearly gave up everything. Take you right to the spot right today. Orchard. It was on Orchard Street right in front of the University of Wisconsin. One night, 9 o'clock at night. I mean, I came that close to throwing the whole thing. And I had gone to a Bible school before I went there. I wasn't prepared. I was totally not prepared. Now, could I find John 3.16? I could find John 3.16 in a hurry. You find John 3.16 in a hurry. I could probably even find John 3.17 if you pushed it. But prepared? Not prepared at all. So that's what we're up to. That, uh, that's basically our whole ministry is preparing these Christian kids to survive that type of, uh, that type of warfare. And well, let me tell you, it's mental and it's vicious. And these people are taking no prisoners. I hope you understand that. These people take no prisoners. You mentioned... Uh, what about the continuance? I mean, while we're there in the university... Well, we have a monthly publication where we just feed them information. Uh, they come back for another two-week program. Uh, then we try to direct them to a graduate program where they don't have to just spend their whole time fighting their professors. And we have come up with some excellent schools for that. You tell me some of your majors, I can tell you just about where to go to school right now. Law, University of Notre Dame. It's one of the finest in the country. Notre Dame! <laughs> 
wherever it's no, wherever it's ranked, it's the only school that doesn't just teach law from a positive law point of view. You actually can get some biblical natural law there. Yes. Well, you, uh, Charles Rice is there, and Charles Rice is one of their top professors. From our point of view, now I'm talking about you just you, you literally can find a law school. Just the fact that you can find one law school right now is pretty good. I'm not going to send you to Berkeley, except Phil Johnson's there, or he, he's, he's retiring. If Phil Johnson were still there, we'd send you there. Let's get under Phil Johnson. But um, you, you, we're looking for the finest teachers in these secular schools that we can find. Now, my attitude is you get out a master's with your BA, and then you tell me one of your majors in these 10 areas, and we, we tell you what schools to go to. Get your master's, get your doctor's degree, and then all of a sudden you teach it. Why? You can teach it. Most of you will be teachers. I mean, if you're in, the, in these areas and you're teaching, you'll be teaching these things in the next less than 10 years. Can you Uh, because Notre Dame teaches law not just from what we would call the positive law point of view. They literally have something more than just positive law there, and there are very few schools like that. Natural, uh, natural biblical law, yeah. It's called natural biblical law. So um, this is important. You need to know that basically law is based uh, on, on the moral order. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just some guys getting together and shooting, shooting dice and saying, let's make this law for a while. How do you feel about, or would you recommend someone going into a history major? History major, University of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Marsden, George Marsden is there, sitting there. Philosophy, University of Notre Dame. Through Texas A&M. You, you have to get your BA here, go to Texas A&M, get your master's degree in philosophy, and then you go to Notre Dame for philosophy. You have to know how to do it. You have to just know how to do it. You never get from here to Notre Dame. You never do it. Uh, yes, in Notre Dame, a USC for philosophy under, uh, no, probably Pepperdine maybe, more than I would Notre Dame, uh, USC. Uh, USC has one philosopher that I consider to be a crucial guy, Dallas Willard at USC, so you can get Dallas Willard as your major professor, away you go. You only need one major professor, <laughs> away you go, you know, and you don't have to fight these guys all the time and come home every night exhausted because you just fought them all the time. And you haven't learned a stupid thing. <laughs> All you do is you fought the pros. Yeah, that's a short circuit. You don't want that. What you want to do is get your degree, get out, and teach it yourself. That's what you ultimately want to do. The chances of you converting your prof are pretty close to zero. Uh, however, the one part, though, is when you stand up for what you believe, you can influence many of your classmates because most of those classmates don't know zero. So that helps. They know at least we've got one guy in there who knows what's going on. That makes sense too. Now, the other thing you said is very important, and I wish I could do it. I think we could find a group of people with money that would see the importance of following through our finest Christian kids through their PhD programs. I have tried that. For years. <laughs> you know what I found? Zippo. Zero. Nada. That's what I found. Not interested. Not interested. And I can't understand why. It seemed to me. Now, 
Anyone here in business? Anyone here going, uh, majoring in business? Tiger, you're the guy. Get out of, get your degree, get your degree, get out and make a billion and a half bucks, and just remember our conversation tonight. And you know what? Let me show you something. One rich guy gave me a hundred and forty-six thousand, a hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. And you know what I did with it? I put four hundred teachers through our one-week program, and those four hundred teachers right now are reaching nearly twelve thousand kids every year with this type of material. That's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar. This guy. Multi, multi-millionaire, by the way. He has given money away all over the world. I'll tell you what, his 150, um, that 150,000 for those 400 teachers will bring him more reward. He died, too. died, so he's, I don't know if he's collecting rewards right now, right now or what he's doing, but um, this guy is now deceased. But I think at the judgment, you're going to see that he has had more rewards because of the kids that he's influenced through this. Can you imagine? He influenced 400 teachers because of his one gift, and then in turn, they are every year. It's just not just one. It's not a one-time gift. It's just every year, twelve thousand kids are going through our program in six hundred fifty college uh, and fifty uh, high schools. Okay, so you get going. Get some ideas already. What you want to do? Okay, make about. Uh, you don't have to wait to make a billion. I mean, you can start this when you make less than that. But what you want to do then is you want to pick up Tiger here and you say, boy, this guy's got some brains. You know who he is? Is he nuts? Oh, you have statistics together. It's statistics. Well, that's pretty good. That's a hard subject. I flunked it. Uh, come to think about it, I think I flunked them all. <laughs> I, majored, I majored in underwater basket weaving, you know, and I nearly flunked that too. Nearly drowned. Um, you know that this guy's got some brains, and what you do then is you get him through. That's how. What's wrong? Why can't we get some Christian business people to think this way is what I'm trying to figure out. Because it's, it's rather important. And then you get him through, and you get her through, and you get her through, and you get him through, and, you, and pretty soon, my word, we got them all up there, and we turn around and say, we can send them all to the University of Southern California. Why? All the Christians taking over all departments. <laughs> See how it works? Stanford. We take over Stanford. That's the Harvard of the West. We'll take the whole thing over. You know what? There are enough Christians to do it. Literally, there are enough Christians to do it. But right now, it won't be done. It will not be done. Because we are soft, gutless wonders. That's the truth. And no one wants to believe it, and no one wants to hear it. <laughs> That's why I only go to one... I, I only get invited once. I never get invited back. Yeah. So I have to make my mark when I'm there. Because after tomorrow at noon, you won't see me again. Okay? But I don't know how else to put it. I, I just don't know how to tell it, but just the way it is. And that's just the way it is. So I encourage some, I discourage others. But the ones I encourage, boy, oh boy, you can't believe what they're doing right now. They are all over this world. Our summit kids even, all over this world. About 15,000 of them spread out all over. Dobson wants us to reach 100,000 a year. 100,000 a year. Can you imagine in 10 years what that would mean? That would be a million kids that had two feet on the ground instead of both feet in midair. That was what it means. Right now we got a Generation X, both feet planted solid in midair. They don't know if they're fish or fall. If they dropped it in their head, they wouldn't know what happened. Wouldn't know what happened. They'd have an exeterin headache. That they know they'd take exeterin for that. That's what they know. Not much more than that. 
Is that being too harsh? Unrealistic? I don't think so. If you stop and look at it, the bigger picture, boy, it is pretty close to the truth. Pretty close to the truth. Okay, who else had a question? Are we ready? Mark had a question? Yeah. Ooh, Mark. Yeah. Specifically, I mean, we're here, you know, some of us, you know, three years left, some of us just a few weeks left at Masters. What do we do to, I mean, to get started, to really be, be grounded? Because I, to, to move it from, you know, yeah, we want to make an influence in one of these 10 areas, what do we do specifically to start on this process? Now, what, how did you start that question? You said we're only here another week? Well, no, some of us, I mean, have... Oh, you're nearly gradu you're nearly ready to graduate, is what others you're saying. Two, you know, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got you. Um, what's your major? Business. Okay, you want to go and get your master's in business, MBA. MBA. Yes, let's get that at. You want to stay in California? Okay, let's go to Pepperdine and get your MBA. The only problem with Pepperdine is it's very expensive. So you're going to have to float alone. But you get an MBA from Pepperdine, or even from UCLA probably, I don't know. And it's amazing, in, uh, in business, most of these advanced degrees are not, you won't find a whole lot of competition against your Christian belief in the business area because most, to stay in business, you can't be too liberal. You know what I'm saying? So most of the positions in business are taken from a conservative point of view anyway. You can't spend more than you take in. you got a problem. Okay. So most of the principles that you'll learn are probably going to be pretty good principles. Okay, so you get your master's, at least your master's in business. And then you get with this guy over here, and you form that company, and we're on our way. Really, to a great extent, gang, don't kid yourself. How do missionaries get out in the foreign fields? How do missionaries get out in the foreign fields? Because business people give money to the churches to put them on foreign fields. It's done. The money doesn't drop from heaven. The money is made by people who use their whatever to give to make money, to make money, to give the money. And boy, let me tell you. It's one thing to put them on the mission field, but isn't this a mission project? To me, this is a mission project. You put these kids here that have the brains to do the job and get get them in their degreed programs, that to me is a mission field. And then you send them back into the schools, that's the real mission field. <laughs> what are you talking about? And you can influence you can influence tens of thousands. Now, if you want to do it yourself, that's what you want to keep in mind. Then not only do you need a, a, a master's, you need a you need a doctor's degree in some of those areas. I don't know what are the areas in business where you get a doctor's degree, and then you have to teach the course, you know. Then you have to come back into the program. So you got a choice: do one or the other. But you can ground yourself in these ten categories. You know, I I have 23 books that you should read. Read a book a night. One month you'll have the whole thing. Do you have a list of those? Yeah, I do. I don't have it with me, but I have it. If you're interested, just let me know. Uh, we recommend 23 books before a kid even goes on college campus. Before he steps his first pinky, you know, on USC. He better read these books before he even puts it down. Uh, Children at Risk by Dobson. Very important. It's a very important book. Seven Men That Rule the World from the Grave, Dave Brees. Intellectuals by Paul Johnson. Phil Johnson's book, Reason in the Balance. 
Excellent. In fact, it's a must. I think Phil Johnson's book, Reason the Balance, is nearly a must read right now. And if you're planning on going to higher education, that's a must because that's, it is so, uh, it's so obvious. The other thing, too, if you're if someone going into law, you would call Phil Johnson. Say, Phil, where do you think?